Welcome to the Parenting with Confidence podcast. I am your host, Teresa Alexander Inman, board certified behavior analyst and infant toddler developmental specialist. Today, I am so delighted to have Sarah Maynard with us. She is the founder and CEO of The Starty Fact, a digital presence educational consulting company that teaches how to navigate the digital world and manage online presence in a safe, healthy and beneficial way. Welcome, 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 Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh gosh, I'm excited to have you here. You know, I cannot talk about this enough because it is such a problem. You know, mm -hmm. uh, parents start, you know, with giving their children, putting them on devices very early because I need to get the dishes done. I need to do this, that, and the other thing. And then it becomes this, oh my gosh, how do we get my child off it? Yes. Yeah. It's because it's so easy and it's designed to be easy. I mean, they did a really good job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so great job for them. But it does, it, because it makes it so easy, it, we have to be so conscious about when we give it to them. And especially when they're small, they don't understand to, to help give themselves their own boundaries and guidelines. And, and so we, as the parents have to, we just have to be really strong in our boundaries. And, and even when they are small, explaining to them why, no, you know what, you can't be on this for 12 hours today. You can't be on this for five hours. You, you know, whatever your threshold is for your family, because every family's different. Every family's going to have their own reasons for doing things, but it is really important to even just say to those really young kids, like, this is why we're doing this and starting that conversation. Because if you're already having that conversation when they're five, six, seven years old, by the time that they're in their teens, then it's so much easier to have a conversation about stuff that gets so much harder. Oh, thank you. Because, you know, it's sort of that snowball effect, right? We're able to have that difficult conversation when we're younger. And as we get older, you build on that and you set yourself mm -hmm. up for success. Yay. Thank you. I yes. honestly, I'm just picking up as you're dropping it. So. Perfect. <laughs> That's how it works. That's how it works. Yeah, so thank you for dropping it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, again, it starts so early. So, you know, five months, five, no, I wouldn't say months. Well, yeah, some people do. They start really early because, you know, they're like, it's educational. I'm teaching them this. And then at a year, the child can't put it down. Yeah. How would you and introduce these things to begin with? I would. So one, a lot of these devices have options on there already for you to set designated screen times. And because especially if we're handing these devices to our kids and then walking off for a minute or walking next to them or doing something else, our mind is somewhere else. We also have a little bit of that time blindness and we'll forget how long they've been doing a thing, <laughs> but the device can do it for you. So um, for example, in on iOS devices, if you go into the settings in the screen time area, you can set specific time for each individual app that you have. So you can say, you know what, here, I want you to sit here and do this for half an hour and then it'll turn off. And what, what I've found, especially with my kids is really helpful is that the device turned off. That wasn't me. I'm not the bad person here. It turned off and you can eliminate a little bit of that friction because, oh, the device is done for now. So, um, I find that to be a really, 
anytime we can take the pressure off us as parents a little bit, let's do it. <laughs> Sarah, that's genius. I didn't even know that was a thing. And thank you for sharing that. And like you said, now the mom, you know, the parent is not the bad guy. Yeah. The device is because it just turned off. Oh, well, we'll have to do something else now. Yeah. yeah. And then you're, you're, you're teaching them so many different things with that one thing. You're teaching them how to self-regulate. You're teaching them, you know, that it's okay not to be on that device all the time, even though the device is designed to keep pulling you in and keep you there. Like, just little by little helping them make those decisions that they're going to need forever because this isn't going away. Exactly. Wow. That's a great way to get them out of what I just, it just came to me, the device vortex. I just mm. coined that term. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> That's what it, it yeah, it's, it feels like it. You know what I mean? It's just going down to this deep hole and mm -hmm. it's so hard to get out of it. And parents don't often realize it's a problem until it's, it becomes a problem until it's too late, until they've been on it for a few years. And now they're, dare I say, addicted and can't get off. Yeah. And then it's so much harder to do once, once they get to a point that they expect that they're going to have the time on there, because you're right. Our brains have you know, they, the, they, they've done a lot of studies on like the pleasure centers in your brain when you're using these devices and they just light up crazy. Mm. And, and so when you're getting that all the time, you, you, especially with a growing brain, you don't learn how to, to stimulate those with things like going outside and playing and hey, you know, reading a book that's not on a screen, or even if you are reading on a screen, there are different levels of how our brain reacts and how screen time um, affects us. So that is something to also take into consideration, which is why I suggest doing each individual app and not overall screen time. Gotcha. Oh, that is that. No, honestly, that's amazing. Uh, again, not something that I would have thought of because, you know, we had a foster child uh, who before he, you know, his mom was like, oh, he's got like four iPads at home. I was like, I don't want them. I don't want any of them. You know, just, we're just going cold Turkey. It's just not happening because I don't want to have to deal with this. And it worked out fine because they weren't here, yeah. but when they're here, that's a whole other situation when you're used to having them in the setting mm -hmm. and they're always there. They're like, right there. I can see it, mom. Why can't I have it? Right. Yes. Yeah. And it's so, cause it's so easy to pick up and just be like, Oh, I mean, we do it as adults all the time. Oh, I'm just going to check this one thing. And then it's 45 minutes later. And you're like, what was I on here for? <laughs> that happened to me <laughs> yesterday. Yep. Honestly, I got stuck in the LinkedIn vortex. Don't ask me how or why mm -hmm. I was on there. And here I'm just scrolling through and I was like, wait, I had other plans. Yeah. Now I've been on here for 45 minutes and I can't believe like that's time I can't get back. Right. So I have to be really careful mm -hmm. you know, not to throw myself in that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's hard for all of us. And I think especially as our kids get older, it's, I, and for the younger ones too, it is important for them to know that it, this is a hard thing we have to do and we have to learn how to do it. And it's not something that you stop learning how to do. So that I think is a big piece that I, especially when I'm talking to parents of teens, that one's always a, well, you know, well, I just can't get them off. Like they're used to it. They've had it for their whole life, mm. you know, but yes. And they're going to continue to have it for their whole life, but we want to make sure they're having a whole life, not just a life online. We want to make sure they have a life offline too. 
I love that distinction. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, because yeah, like, you know, it's that is it it has become their whole life, but mm-hmm. it should not be because it's not a holistic life. Yes. You know, it's just this one track and it it inhibits socialization, it inhibits a mm-hmm. whole lot of learning that children don't have access to because they're on this thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's really difficult sometimes, especially if they've had it and had access. Um, when and I see a lot of problems when people have, uh, their kids have unlimited access and there's no boundaries. You wouldn't give your kid a car and say, here's a car, do whatever you want, right? right? Like you're gonna teach them how to use it. You wouldn't give them a pan and a stove and say, here you go, figure it out, right? right? Yeah. And so we have to start, and, and if you've done that, it's okay because we weren't taught how to do it. (laughs) None of our parents knew because we didn't have to, our parents didn't have to teach us that. We are the first generation of parents that have to deal with this. So we have to learn how to parent it too. And that can be so daunting, but the key is to start small and grow that over time. And you'll see improvements and changes in, in so many different ways. Okay, so I wanna say, first of all, thank you for, um, allowing parents not to judge themselves, giving that permission for them not mm-hmm. to judge themselves for allowing the devices because come on, we don't know what we don't know. Oh, right. Oh, and after the last two years, oh my goodness, <laughs> please. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, there is no judgment here whatsoever. But if you're here and you're listening, then you want to change something and you're ready. So start small because if you start, if you start big, you, you can, and I'm not going to say you can't go for it, but it will be real hard. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. I, yeah, and, I, I just don't want, I don't want people to give up. Right. So if you're right. starting with this big, if you start in this big, this big arena where you're like, that's it, we're all done. Nobody's doing anything. That's it. But the problem is so much of our kids' social life happens there. And so much of how they're learning to become themselves is integrated in that. So when you completely take it away, instead of slowly teaching how to use it in a way that's helpful and beneficial to them and that they're going to be able to use forever, it can feel like they're being punished and they're going to rebel hard. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that's a whole other pitfall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So give us an example of how somebody would start small. Like just give us, you know, a little Mm -hmm. window into that. Yeah. So I would start first with a conversation, sit down, sit, you know, have a, have a cup of whatever you like, a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, a milkshake, pick something, any, anything is good, but you want something for them to have their hands on. Cause you know, they're going to, you want something that's not their phone or their device to have their hands on. Right. So, and just sit down and say, you know what? I want to talk about why we're online in the first place. What do you like being about? Why do you like to be on there? What do you like to do? And let them share and tell you why they like it and start that conversation because that's going to be the first foundational step. So that would be the first thing is starting with that conversation of why you want to be there in the first place. And then ask them to pick one app that they use and and pick a time limit for it and let them choose that. Now you can give them a boundary. Like it can't be like, you know, you, it, you can't have this app for more than two hours a day. What would you like to set it at? And they very well may say, well, two hours, mm-hmm. but 
the point is that they're setting a time and then you can say, okay, after a week, we're going to cut down half an hour. We're going to cut down 15 minutes. And, and as you're doing that, starting adding in different apps and, and letting them choose that app first. So maybe it's not the one they use all the time that they're really attached to, but by showing them that they can do it in, in those small ways, you'll start to see big changes over time. Awesome. Now, Sarah, my child is two and I've had him on this device for the last, I don't know, six months at least. What can I do? Yeah, when they're little, little. Um, (laughs) That's a great, great question. So when they're really small, I mean, that screen time thing is super helpful because then the device is doing it for you and you're like, oh, it's tired. It has to go to bed. Oh, that's so sad. It's nap time. Ah. <laughs> I use that one a lot when right. my kids were small. Oh, it's na- and they get that because they're like, oh yeah, I have nap time. Okay. <laughs> Even if they're not like making it all click really, but mm-hmm. they, the, the language they understand. And so that's definitely the first thing that I would do. And then at what, so once that, that app shuts down, have something ready, have a fidget quilt, have a felt board, have something that's already going to be engaging that you have ready to pull out. So I used to have like those bags of like, just, I call them busy bags. And I had like six or seven different things. Um, I was in a mom's group where we all made one kind and then we swapped them and that would be great for this. So you have like a collection. So it's not the same thing every time because that's part of it with these devices is it changes so fast and keeps them stimulated all the time. So if when that, when the time is over on the device, you immediately have something else for them. That's going to engage some other part of their brain and then help them move on to whatever the next activity is that can be really helpful. Wow. That's awesome. You know, because I hear I'm thinking I was going to throw you a curveball and you just gave us the answer. And oh. <laughs> and I mean, I wasn't doing it on purpose, but I was just like, oh, my gosh, what about those young children? What can we do? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm glad there's a solution. Just say it that way. I am so glad because I was afraid maybe there wasn't something that we could do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you definitely. Yep. Yeah, I think there, and I think it's it's important to start just because we see how attached they are and. Anytime you take something from somebody that small, they're going to be mad about it. Like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all what it is. They're going to be mad about it. Um, But having that something else, I remember my kids were really small. They're um, eight to 14 now, but um, we would have like a rainy day bucket of toys that I would bring out. And um, that's something that I would definitely use for this situation too. When one day it's just like, okay, these little bags aren't cutting it. We need a full new set of stuff. (laughs) just like something that's visually stimulating and and um has a little bit of that audio stimulation too even if it's stacking blocks or whatever it is that that helps them engage in different ways wonderful and you i like that you mentioned before working with different parents and they all have different bags and swapping them because then it takes that pressure off because first of all you've got other people in your boat Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so yes. Oh my gosh. That's so important. So important. Yeah. And then, you know, you, if there's no pressure for you to come up with five different bags, mm-hmm. everybody has done one and it's like, Hey, you know, let's swap. So you do it on a schedule. Like you swap every, um, yeah, I think we did it like every six months and we, so we would, um, 
one of the things we would do is each of us would create like six of the same bag. Mm -hmm. And then, so we would all have just kept growing our collection. We would get together and you'd get one of everybody's kind of like a cookie swap, but it was for busy bags. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. And it was fun to have that little bit of like, I only need to be a little bit creative and I had an end in mind. So it wasn't like I was trying to create like 50 of something. It was just a couple and yeah, good for my brain too. Yeah. Yeah. It takes away the overwhelm, which is amazing. Yes. Because Lord knows parents have enough on their plate as oh it is. <laughs> yes. Yep. So, you know, and parents, our goal here is just to make your life easier because we know you have the hardest job there is. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I know. I'm with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So you talk about a digital audit. What mm -hmm. exactly does that look like? Yeah. So I, um, I recommend this for older kids who are, who have a little autonomy on the internet, um, who may have some social media profiles, who have, who maybe have a website, depending on what they're doing. Um, and I also really encourage it for uh, parents also, especially those of us that are posting a lot about our kids online. Mm -hmm. um, we want to make sure that we have one sheet. So a digital audit, all it really is, is pulling in all of the information you've put out on the internet in one place so you can see it. So it would be just as I said, that websites, social media. Um, if you're someone that sends out that has like a blog and sends out newsletters, things like that, any way that you're interacting with other people, ooh, excuse me, online. Um, and all you do is kind of give yourself the time. So it does take a little bit of time, but you go through and check what it is that you actually have been putting out there because I don't know about you, but in about a week, I will forget what I posted to Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so one of the things is when I started my business, I wanted to make sure that any of the profiles that I had set to public, I wasn't sharing pictures of my kids from when they were smaller. Mm -hmm. So I went back until I, it took me a very long time because I went back like 15 years uh, through some Facebook stuff. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to make sure that anything that I had listed as public wasn't information or pictures of my kids. Um, so one thing for parents when you're doing this digital audit for yourself is to make sure you're checking those privacy settings. Make sure that for the pictures that you're putting out there, that you are putting ones out there that you either are um, just to your family and friends, um, but not, they don't need to be for the whole general public consumption. Like every picture you have of your kids doesn't need to be public consumption stuff. Um, and I think it can be really hard for us to remember because it's, it's, it's designed for you to interact with people who are close to you, but it can be really easy to forget that anyone who knows your name can, and even if they know just one thing about you, it can, it can be really easy to find you on the internet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so making sure we're setting those privacy settings uh, for ourselves and for our kids, if they have those social media profiles um, and setting them to private as often as possible. Gotcha. So you want to, basically what I'm hearing is don't embarrass your children. <laughs> also that, yes. Yeah, because it's going to be out there forever for them. And so if you, if, for example, you and your kid both have an Instagram account and you follow each other, even if theirs is set to private, someone could 
look at their name, look at their list of followers, realize that you your names are similar and and go and click through your profile. And if your profile and feed is public and you've been posting things about where they go to school, sports games they've had, specific locations about things, that can get it's a it, it's not only a privacy thing, it's also a safety thing um, to make sure that that we're keeping as much information as we can about our kids private on the internet because it'll be there forever and people will be able to find it forever <laughs> wow yeah and you don't realize the rabbit hole that mm -hmm. you go down with this because it's only when you started talking about their sports and what they're doing and this and that i realized oh gosh safety because somebody could just pull up and say hey mom told me to pick you up and yeah, yeah that could really cause a problem mm-hmm so. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the things I recommend with the digital audit is to step back, look at the things you're posting, make sure you're posting them because you really want to be posting them. Um, if, uh, if you've gone back about six months thinking like, okay, well, do I really want, if someone looked at my feed today, is this still relevant? Mm -hmm. Like, and most of the time it is, and it's fine. You're just curating, you know, your own, um, space on the internet, but sometimes it's, you'll look at it and say, you know what, actually, I don't want that out there anymore. Right. And you can delete it, make it a lot harder for someone to find. Mm -hmm. um, but we do need to make sure when we're posting initially, like if you're posting, one of the rules that I have for myself is anything I post, whether it is on my public or my private profile, if I would not be comfortable seeing that on the daily news or some front page of a newspaper, I'm not going to post it. Because once you post it, you don't have control over it anymore. Any one of your friends or acquaintances or you know if you have a private instagram profile any of the people that you've accepted as followers um can screenshot it and share it however they want wow. so um, we just have to be really mindful and conscious uh when we're posting which you know we didn't think about that as this as the internet has been growing like we didn't know this is what is going to happen and so now we're, we're just kind of kind of backpedaling a little bit <laughs> yeah, just a tad, but it's it's essential backpedaling mm -hmm. um, because, you know, what I'm hearing again, you say is don't post when you're angry. Don't post when you're not, you know, like make sure you are being mindful. Make sure you are calm so that you can make a, an informed decision about putting all of your business out yes. into the world. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell people a lot, like no argument has ever been won on Facebook. No, it's never happened. <laughs> and it's not going to, um, because when you have that posting back and forth, mm -hmm. you're not thinking through things. So even if you take yourself off that app and compose something in like your notes app, mm -hmm. like give yourself some time to look at it and say, actually, is that, is that representing me? Well, am I representing myself? Well, um, I've gotten into discussions we'll say with people and I've, I've used that and I've had pages it looks like pages of information that I wanted to tell them I was telling them how wrong they were and how right. you know and then in the end I just said you know what if you want to continue this conversation send me a dm it's the only thing I posted not once have I had someone be like okay I'll continue that conversation right. with you <laughs> yeah no I honestly that is such great advice it really is because we're so often just so ready to just respond mm -hmm. and something that I've started doing when I get a message, you know, that's loaded, 
I give myself a couple of days. I don't respond right away. Yes. You know, I give myself a couple of days to say, okay, how do I want to respond? Because first of all, I want to honor myself in that response. And secondly, it doesn't matter who you are. I want to honor you as well mm-hmm. because I don't want to ever say something that I'm going to regret and that's going to make anybody, no matter what, how you've come at me, I don't want to belittle anybody and I don't want to, you know, I just want to keep it respectful. Mm-hmm. So I've learned, you know, just wait. And sometimes I may never respond, yep. you know, which is okay too. I feel, I but yes. I just like to give myself some time. So some people, you know, people are like, why isn't she responding? Or if they ask, well, you haven't responded. It's like, I'm still, I, now honestly, I've responded. I honestly don't know what to say to this. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. I just, yeah. And I need, I think that those, it's really important to say that and not just to ourselves, but also to our kids who are, who are having conversations with people online that, you know what? No is always an acceptable answer. Yeah. Always full stop. You can end it there. You can not respond. Totally allowed. And, and I think it's helpful to have that permission sometimes um, for, to just say, you know what, you don't have to respond to everything everybody says. Right. Like there's, there's no rule somewhere that says you have to, you have to sign up. And when you sign up, that means you will respond to every single thing. No. Exactly. Yes. And that's so, you know, I want teenagers to get this or parents share this with your teenagers because they, you know, teenagers feel the pressure of having to respond because if I don't, they're going to think I'm this, that, and the other thing. Mm -hmm. It takes two to argue, sweetheart. And if you don't, then they let it go. Let them talk to themselves and do whatever, but you're honoring yourself and actually also that person by not responding in a way that maybe two, three, months down the road you might regret Mm -hmm. so yeah I mean in the way the internet moves it's so fast Mm -hmm. right like it's and I think that's really hard especially for teens because everything is so immediate Mm -hmm. and it you feel things so much when you're a teenager (laughs) that when it's moving fast and you didn't get in on that conversation when you wanted to you can feel like you completely missed out on everything and your friends have left you and that's it But the next day you start over and no one's going to like, it moves so quickly that you're not going to remember. They're not going to remember and just move on and it's going to be okay. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I was watching a show the other day and this woman mentioned, you know, she was vacationing with her friends and two of them, there were three of them and two of them went one way and she went the other way. And, you know, people are like, oh, aren't you afraid? No, she said, no, I'm, I'm experiencing the joy of missing out yes. instead of the fear. So she experienced the joy and she was by herself out in nature, just enjoying the scenes and the sights and the sounds instead of worrying about, you know, being in the action because we mm-hmm. need that time. We, you know, we need that time to unplug, not just oh, from those devices, but from other people as well. Yes. that's exactly true I think that's really hard for all of us to to remember that though that fear of missing out that FOMO is huge I I love that you brought up joy of missing out that's a a friend of mine talking to that at a retreat earlier this year and I was just like that's it I want to put that everywhere just tell everyone because the the internet itself is so fragmented you can't you can't see everything anyway if you wanted to try and watch everything on YouTube it would take oh it's a 
longer than a lifetime to watch everything. So (laughs) you're going to miss out on stuff. So might as well be joyful about it. That's right. And find things that you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I um had uh, I had Molly DeFrank on and she also talks about detoxing. And, you know, what she talks about when she when her children detox from digital devices, they were so happy afterward. Their brains weren't hijacked. And there was just they found so many other things that they were mm-hmm. interested in doing instead of just being glued yeah. to these devices. Mm hmm. Yeah. 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 Finding that balance is really hard um, because so much of life has, is happening online. I mean, we're online right now, right? So much in our our connections and our, but it's, it's how do we teach them how to have connections like we're having right now, instead of those mindless scrolling, angry posting connections that we don't want. Exactly. And which have have negative effects on your brain. Mm -hmm. that. No one wants that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Sarah, I want to be mindful of your time. And if there's one thing you want parents to leave this moment with, what would that be? You are not alone in this. Every other parent is dealing with trying to figure out how to have their kids balance online and offline life. And there are resources available and there are, you know, talk to someone, talk to your friends, talk to your family. And, you know, you, there is support for us on this side. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. And how can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on my website at www.thestarteffect.com or I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Start Effect. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Sarah and parents. If this has been helpful to you in any way, please share it with others because this is such valuable information and it needs to be out there. Your children deserve to get the benefits of what you have learned here today. So download, like, share, do whatever you have to, but just spread it all around and check out Miss Sarah at thestarteffect.com. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Sarah. It's been wonderful. (laughs) Yes, I love this. Thanks so much. All righty. See you soon. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.